Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. talking about the Holy Spirit and his gifts. Notice it's a twofold thing. The Holy Spirit and his gifts. The work of redemption involved the entirety of the Godhead. Imagine this. God the Father is the master behind it all. He's the one that planned it all out. You ever stop and think about how the mind of God works? Can we even begin to understand the vastness of the wisdom of Almighty God. It's beyond our comprehension. Makes you wonder. Of course, then I've got my Andrew saying, it's okay, Dad. As soon as you get there, you'll see everything's all right. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> okay. Matter of fact, he hit me with another thing just, just yesterday, I think it was. He goes, got another friend. I said, well, that's wonderful. Yeah, he said, he doesn't believe in God, so I'm on him. He said, I'm, I'm going to bring him to the Lord. I said, okay, go for it. Go ahead. Uh, the Father planned it. Jesus is the one who worked out all the works that needed to be worked out. He's the one that facilitated the whole thing. The Spirit of God is the one who makes it a reality in the life of a person. You know how many people are out there in this world that are not born again? Is it because the Father doesn't have a plan of redemption? No. Is it because Jesus didn't work out the plan of redemption? No. Why? Because they haven't yielded to what Jesus did so the Holy Ghost can get a hold of them and quicken their spirit, make it alive, give it life. You see, the word has already been spoken and it's already been done by the word. Jesus is the word. But the spirit needs someone to act upon that word to make it a reality in their life. I was in church for 20 some years. You've heard me say it over and over again. I wasn't saved. I was lost. But I sat in church. No one told me you must be born again. Thank God for those that didn't let go. That they kept on me. And kept telling me, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I think you're crazy, but whatever. But finally they got to me. And the Spirit of God opened up my eyes. And we'll talk about that just a little bit. Look at John 14. We are living in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Right? We know that. He is at work in the earth today, and he's got certain things that he wants to carry out. In John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He's coming in the person of the Holy Spirit, who is the, really the Holy Spirit, the combined presence of God the Father and God the Son, coming into us in the person of the Holy Spirit as a, and there's a sevenfold uh, meaning of that word paraclete in the uh, Greek, comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. Those are the seven things that he does in the life of a believer. He comforts us, he counsels us, 
helps us. He does all this for us. And this is his ministry in the earth today. So he's my comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby every day of my life. And God wants us to know him as that in all of our lives. So this is the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm not leaving you an orphan. I'm coming to be with you. And he wants us to develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit so that every single day of our lives, we experience his presence. And then also look at John uh, 16, verses 7 through 13, or 7 through, yeah, 7 through 13. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient, profitable, beneficial for you that I go away. They couldn't understand that at first. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will, and here it is. What's he going to do? Reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So we see these three things that he's here to do. And I'm telling you, I'm glad he did that for me. He brought conviction. I've, you've heard my story. Lying in bed as a teenage boy. I started waking up with a cold sweat saying, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. But I didn't know how to get to heaven. And I would start saying all this religious stuff that I was taught that was really of to no avail whatsoever. But night after night, I would be crying out. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But I was consciously aware of the fact that I was going to hell. And it's frightening. It's scary. And then so I say, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. So he sends me someone to, to, to my, into my life at work and says, Bill, if you want to make heaven, you've got to be born again. I said, you crazy? And I, I'm arguing with the, I'm saying I want to go to heaven. This person's telling me how to get to heaven and I'm rejecting it because it's foreign to me. It doesn't understand. I don't understand it. I'm so glad he didn't give up on me. Don't give up on others. Keep the word poured out over their lives. You've got a loved one you want in heaven. Keep on declaring it. Surround that person with godly influences that speak into that life, the truth of the word and the moral laws of God. Open up their eyes to see the truth. I bind the darkness that blinds their minds that they would come to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and make Christ the Lord of their life. Yeah, but look at what they're doing. That has nothing to do with it. Look at what God has done is what's important. And what the Holy Ghost is doing to bring conviction upon them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin means they're separated from God and they know it deep in, inside. Righteousness is available, it means. We can be righteous before God in Christ, not in our own righteousness. Judgment is going to come to everyone. The devil's been judged, and anybody that doesn't accept Christ will be judged and lost forever. Uh, and then, it's not in there, but I'm just going to quote it to you, verse 16. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all the truth, speak to you what he hears of the Father, and he will show you things to come. So this is the presence of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer to do all these things for us. And you know what? We should have a close, intimate walk with him. That's what Jesus said. He's going to come to you and be your comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. So, in Acts chapter 2, we see it happening. And let's remember this as we read this. For this to happen took the Son of God, the second person of deity, to leave his position, humble himself to be born of a virgin, 
robe himself in flesh, submit himself to Jewish law, to learn what he had to learn, to walk on the earth he created in a humble way, and then exercise dominion over the earth he made as he was anointed from on high to do so. And then, after he proved who he was by what he did, then he went to a cross where he suffered and died, as no one could for themselves to be saved. And then God raised him from the dead on the third day. And then he took his blood to the high court of heaven, obtained eternal redemption for us, came back to the earth and showed himself alive. Said, look at me. Passed to the walls, ate with them. He actually cooked for them. And then he went back and they saw him ascend on high. And the angel said, what are you looking up there for? I don't know about you guys, but I don't see this every day. <laughs> right? I don't see this every day. You may be used to it, but I don't see this every day. Look at him. He's higher and higher. My goodness. Went right back to the throne of God, his ascension. He was seated at the right hand of God, and then he had a coronation service. You ready for this? Now I can send the Holy Ghost. That's a lot of work. Would you agree? He couldn't send the Holy Ghost like that before doing all this. So would you say then this is a vital thing? Absolutely. He sends the Holy Ghost after all, those, all that effort so that you and I can have a right relationship with God. Born again relationship with God. Become the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And then on the day of Pentecost, what an entrance. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, that's, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And really... That doesn't do us justice. We should read the entire chapter, chapter 2, where Peter then is anointed from on high to proclaim what Jesus did when he suffered and died for us and God raised him from the dead. But I want to show us the fact that here we have the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in these people's lives, empowering them, equipping them, and basically transforming their lives from cowards to fearless disciples of the resurrected Christ. And they would lay down their lives because they knew it's a reality. They saw him die. They saw him rise again. It's a reality. And the Holy Ghost has come into them to empower them to shake the world, praise God, with the truth. Look at verses 37 through 41. When Peter preached this powerful, dynamic, Holy Ghost anointed, inspired message, listen, you talk about a tough crowd. He's in Jerusalem. These are the people that wanted Jesus put to death. And he's there. It's the day of Pentecost. Maybe some were glad that they got rid of him. I don't know what their attitudes were. But when this occurred, it did not occur. Pentecost didn't occur in the temple. It occurred in a lowly upper room somewhere where hungry hearts wanted more than religion. They wanted reality with the living God. And they got it. Think about it. The others probably were very envious. But look at the verse 37. 
Now, when they heard that, what did they hear? Well, men, what should we do to get saved? They were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and your children and to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a pretty good day, wouldn't you say? But once again, what an entrance, what a manifestation, but what a powerful manifestation that led to 3,000 being saved in a tough crowd. Can you imagine how impacting that was? Beloved, that's what this life is all about right there. Us getting so filled with God, so full of God, that God oozes out from us, out of us to touch the lives of people with the truths of the gospel. And that's exactly what the Holy Ghost has come to do. So, in Acts chapter 4, look at verse 29. We see this continuing. We're talking about the Holy Ghost and also his gifts. We see this continuing in chapter 3. Peter and John go to the temple about the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a man who was lame from his mother's womb was carried who the laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, who asked an alms of them to enter into the temple. When he asked of alms, Peter saw him, fastened his eyes on him with John and said, Look on us. And he expected to receive something of them. And didn't receive anything from them other than this. Peter said, silver and gold has I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, his feet and ankle bones received strength. He walked into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. And when they saw him walking and leaping and praising God, they wanted to make gods out of them. But praise God, they said, uh-uh, no, we didn't do this in our own power strength. It was by his name. His name. If you want to know why he's here strong, because his name and his, only his name does he stand here strong before you men. Through faith in his name has given this man his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now you would think they would all be excited about someone who had never walked, who was over 38 years old, had never walked, is now walking, who they saw daily at the gate, begging, begging. And now he's completely healed. You'd think that they would be ecstatic. No, but they take Peter and John into question and they begin to challenge them and also persecute them. And warn them and tell them, don't you dare preach or teach in that name any longer. And so uh, it goes on to say here that, well, when they heard that, they, they cowered in fear and walked away and said, we'll never do it again. Oh, I'm sorry. No, they said, now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant to your servants with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. When they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common, and with great power gave they witness gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. You talk about an answer to a prayer. It was an earth shaking answer to prayer. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with what? The Holy Ghost 
and spake the word of God boldly with confidence. Because you see, God showed up to do what he needed to do. So once again, we see the Holy Spirit manifesting himself, empowering them to preach the word with boldness. Again, a ministry of the Holy Ghost is to empower us to proclaim Jesus. Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, having sight to the blind, set at liberty to bruise and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice in that verse, he talks about freedom after freedom after freedom, deliverance after deliverance. I came to deliver mankind. I came to set them free. I came to restore man's relationship with God and remove them from the powers of darkness and their jurisdiction. That's what I came to do. That's what God is all about. You know what? That's what we should be all about. Every single one of us. You say, well, how are we going to do that? Well, there's only one way. Get full of the word and full of the spirit. That's how Jesus, who is the word, did it. He was anointed from on high. If he had to be anointed from on high, where does that leave us? We need the Holy Ghost. Fresh fire from heaven. Amen. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now, we shift over. Here we have now the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. Aren't you glad he's here? Mm -mm. Aren't you glad he's here among us right now? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. He's here filling us every day of our lives. But in chapter 12, look at, we're going to just put up verse 1 first, Paul. Notice what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, what he's saying is this. Now that you have the Holy Ghost, you need to understand some things about how he manifests himself. And so when it comes to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be without understanding about the gifts of the Spirit or how the Holy Spirit manifests himself. One thing one we can say is now concerning spiritual things. Don't be ignorant. Be aware of it. Verse 2 and 3. Look at what it says. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols. Don't you love that about Paul? Calls it as it is, man. Dumb idols. Even as you were led, wherefore I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. They were exposed to idol worship and wrong manifestations of wrong spirits and all that. And they were getting involved in all this kind of garbage and stuff. And so they cowered back from it. And of course, that's exactly what the devil's going to do. He's going to counterfeit everything because he does not want the real to be in manifestation. Amen? Doesn't want that. And so here they're doing all this stuff here and they're getting afraid and whatever. But look, don't be up without understanding concerning the Holy Spirit and his manifestations. But also know this, that anyone that's filled with the Holy Ghost is not going to call Jesus accursed. Not, not going to happen. Look at the next verses, 4 through 6. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. So we see here that the Spirit of God will manifest himself as the same Spirit, but he'll manifest himself in different gifts in different ways. There's diversities, and different, which means just difference, differences or different kinds of certain things. Look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given only to individuals that love him more than others. Only women. Only men. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to whom? Who? Oh, 
every man to profit with all. Every man. So the Holy Ghost is for every man. The manifestation of the Holy Ghost is are for every man. And for what reason? To profit, to benefit, to benefit everyone. It's not for selfish reasons, but for the common good of every individual person who is a believer in the body of Christ and also those that are outside the body of Christ. Spiritual manifestation could take place to bring people into the kingdom of God. Remember the woman at the well? What happened to the woman at the well? Jesus had a gift of the Spirit being in operation. I have that in here somewhere, but anyhow. And what happened? He read her mail. What did she do? She ran off and said, come and see this fellow told me everything about myself. My whole life. Right? And she became a, an evangelist. Brought a lot of people to the Lord. And then look at verses 8 through 10 because here we have these gifts uh, outlined for us and there's nine of them. For to one is given the, uh, by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. So here we see we have the nine gifts of the Spirit outlined for us. He's revealing to us how the Spirit manifests Himself, and these are the gifts, and they are divided into three groups of three. Number one, you got your revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The next group we have the power gifts, special faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles. And the last group are the vocal gifts or the inspirational gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And so we want to explore some of these things so that we can be yielded to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to manifest Himself in us and through us as He sees fit. Now, once you understand or know that if this is what God wants through our lives, that the devil's going to counterattack, he's going to try to stop it. And how do you think his number one way was to stop it? Those ended with the disciples. Those, those ended with the apostles. When the apostles died, it all stopped. Really? God didn't die. The Holy Ghost didn't die. God doesn't change. We're living in the dispensation, the same dispensation that they lived in. These gifts are for us today. We need them more than ever. We sure do, don't we? Praise God. So tonight we're just going to explore one quickly here and then we'll move on. Um, next week we'll go to another one. But here, uh, the word, well, let's finish that. Uh, verse 11 there. Notice that it says, as he wills. To every man severally as he will, not as I will, not as you will, but as he will. So in other words, uh, when I received, let's say, a teaching gift, when the Holy Ghost came on me and etc. Et that was his will. Because my will was, I will never speak in front of people ever. Oh, he knew it. I made it very clear. He chose to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Right? Some people say, how can you quote scripture like that? How do you remember scripture like that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. That's all. It just stays with me and stuck in my heart. I, I don't know. I read it and it stays. Amen. But I can't cover it with 
Someone has a special faith. Someone has gifts of healings and operations. Someone has administration. The list goes on and on. You can't covet someone else's gift. As the Spirit of God moves. That's Okay, the word of knowledge. The, the word of knowledge, we're going to touch first, is God revealing to us a portion of his knowledge. Let's start with what it's not, first of all. Remember, a word is a fragment of a sentence. Okay, what it's not. It's not natural knowledge that we learn through education. Anybody could do that. Anybody can learn. You can study and learn. That's natural knowledge. It's not just gaining Bible knowledge. We all should gain as much Bible knowledge as we possibly can. And we should. But that's not what this gift is talking about. So thank God that we can learn the Bible and, and memorize the Bible and all that. Number three, it's not fortune telling. Look at Deuteronomy 18. It's not fortune telling. Some people get involved in these things and some certain things are being revealed by wrong spirits. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord because of these same detestable practices. The Lord, your God, will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord, your God. And when you hear people saying, oh, I talked to so-and-so who was dead. Uh, or I'm going I'm to raise up these dead spirits. Uh, better watch. You're going to find yourself getting involved in wrong spirits. And it's detestable in the sight of God. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And by the way, if your loved one's present to the Lord, they don't want to come back here. I wouldn't, would you? Andrew still wants to go back. And he wouldn't, you know. Anyhow, look at the Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 27. A man or a woman who is a medium or spiritist among you must be put to death. Wow. You are to stone them. Their blood will be on their own heads. In other words, here's a warning. Don't get involved with anyone who practices any of these things. It's detestable in the sight of God and guilty of death. Look at Acts 16. Here the apostle Paul. We've seen this uh, many times before. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us unto us the way of salvation. And this she did, did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ uh, to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And oh, were her masters furious. They, she couldn't get them any money, gave them any money anymore. And so as a result, they were infuriated and they want to get a hold of Paul and just destroy him. But Paul recognized the fact that that wasn't the spirit of God. That was a spirit of divination. Stay away from that sort of thing. Have nothing to do with it. And you say, well, something was said was true. It may be, but stay away from it. You don't want to get your resources, your knowledge from some evil spirit anywhere at all. Because I guarantee you it's going to take you down. So stay away from those who read cards, use games like Ouija boards and stuff like that. Or stay away from those who use crystal balls or witchcraft books. And the list goes on and on. Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, we are told that when they got saved, many of them burned up their curious arts. 
all their practices, all their books, all their incantations and, and, and you know, spiritualism and all that. Burn it all up. So what it is, or what is it? It's a revelation of certain facts in the mind of God. It is a portion of God's knowledge revealed by His Spirit. And it comes to us through what methods? It could be a dream. It could be a vision. It could be an audible voice and many other things. Its purpose is to encourage people to locate certain things, to admonish people, to expose people, to bless people, and the list goes on and on. And some biblical examples, which we'll close with here, um, the word of knowledge will help us better understand its use. Remember, it's a portion of knowledge that God knows that you get by the Spirit and not by someone telling you something, not by a wrong spirit. It could be an angel, could be a vision, could be a dream, and, and that sort of thing. But it's coming from God who knows something about someone's life. And remember, when God's behind it, it's going to be a manifestation of his love. It's out of concern that he has for people. But look at Revelation. Well, we, don't, we can't read the book of Revelation. But if you go to Revelation, the first three chapters, what do you get? John on the Isle of Patmos gets a revelation of the condition of seven churches. How does he know that? Jesus told him. That's a word of knowledge. He knew exactly what was going on in all those churches, even though he's on the Isle of Patmos. He's not even there. But he knows everything that's going on by revelation, by a word of knowledge. Look at the next one, Acts chapter 9. This is um, Ananias. When Paul, who was Saul, who was destroying the church, got saved. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise. And go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Now, how did he learn that? God gave it to him by his spirit. So he, that he had no knowledge of who this guy was, but God gave this by his, the word of knowledge, a revelation of where this guy was and what was going on. Now, Acts chapter 10, we won't, again, don't have to read it. But here's a man named Cornelius. He is a centurion of the Italian band. And he prayed, he fasted, and he gave alms often. And God saw all that. And Peter was told that he did this. And Peter was given a revelation of certain things. How did Peter get that knowledge? By a dream or by, actually, he was in a, it was a trance. He was in a trance. And being in that trance, he got this revelation. He had no other way to know it but that way. And so that's a word of knowledge. Now look at 2 Kings chapter 5. This is Gehazi. He is the servant of Elisha the prophet. Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold... Even now there, there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two men from the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags and two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and let the men go, and they departed. How did Elisha know that when he got back there? God gave him a word of knowledge by the Spirit, because he didn't see it, 
there was no other communication. I think um, Gehazi's uh, cell phone died. He couldn't give him any revelation that way. You know, none of that. Right? How did he get it? Uh-huh. 2 Kings 6. Here we have an evil plan exposed. Two more and then we'll close. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall my, be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there. Not once nor twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who's selling us out? And none of his servants said, one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. How did Elisha know that? Holy Ghost gave him a word of knowledge. That's how he knew it. And so he understood that, and what happened, it basically, it saved their lives. Look at John 4, 18. We talked about this a little bit ago. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidest thou truly. How did Jesus know she had five husbands? And the one she was living with wasn't her husband? Someone told him. The Holy Ghost. A word of knowledge. And then Acts chapter 5, and this is the sad one. You talk about hmm, people being exposed. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part of it, laid it at the apostles' feet. And what happened? Peter said, hmm, that's a lie. He exposed the hypocrisy and said, now, because you, in this state, this place of unity, you lie like that? They fell over dead, one at a time. That was judgment. That was being exposed as a fraud. So you see, the Holy Ghost will manifest himself in, himself in the lives of believers through a word of knowledge. Why? For the benefit, for the common good of all. And I've had it happen. I'm sure you've had it happen as well. But it's for everybody, not just for a few. Let's all stand together before the Lord.